It's wonderful to be with you all. I bring you greetings from Atlanta, Georgia, and the Saints at Redeemer OPC. And my family in the back and I are, are thrilled to be with you. Our first time in Tallahassee, and we didn't realize all that we were missing. We, we said, wait, fl- place in Florida have grass? What? This is, this, is, this is neat. So we're very excited to see that and to spend some time fellowshipping with a few of the families yesterday evening. Um, it's always good to not rely on a PowerPoint presentation because if you do, you know, it might be like this morning, not work, um, and that would provide an issue. So I did have some pictures. I do have them on my iPad. We couldn't get it to connect to the um, projector. If you're interested, maybe during the fellowship lunch, people can scroll through if they're interested to see some pictures. They're not, um, they're not all that incredible, but it just puts perspective on, on what, we're, what we're doing. Um, but I do have a few handouts that are not uh, required, do not require technology. So I will, um, I will ask maybe if there's a couple men that are willing to hand out a couple different things here. Um, one is just a very brief outline for today's class. That's just one page for everybody. And then I thought I would share a few of the, the tracks or pamphlets that we give out um, if you're interested. That's one. Thank you. And while those are going around, we're gonna we are gonna open today um, from the book of Proverbs. Most of the passages that I'm gonna read today are actually passages that we spend a lot of time on when we're when we're witnessing in Atlanta. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read from I'm, I'm gonna read from the King James just during Sunday school for a reason. It ties in with the ministry that we're doing. Not trying to make any point about the King James or anything like that, but it ties in with the Sunday school lesson, so that's why I'm going to use it um, just for the Sunday school hour. But um, a lot of times people ask um, us what got us into this ministry a little over two years ago during the COVID pandemic, and uh, my wife and I had uh, good friends at the church who had come during COVID out of a liberal Methodist background, and the Lord very quickly was bringing them to a reform perspective of everything. Um, and it was happening very fast, and they had been married for a few years, and the Lord had not provided them any children, and that was weighing heavily on them. And so they had an opportunity to adopt a child um, who was, the, the, the long story short was the mother made a connection to the, to the wife's family, and there was this opportunity for adoption, and they wanted to come over and talk about it and pray together about it. And uh, we spent an evening doing that, and some, at some point during the evening, the wife said to me, uh, the, the topic of abortion came up, and the wife said to me, she said, what does Redeemer do as a church about abortion besides pray? And usually I have an answer for a lot of things, and I didn't have an answer. I was very convicted by that. And we had a, we have still right near our house, a Planned Parenthood that is um, maybe about two, two miles away from the house. And we had, we had, is that too loud? Let me let me pull that down. This sounds like I'm outside. Um, is that better? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we we decided let's go see what the what the Lord would do if we went and tried to talk with people that are going to get abortions, men and women, workers, and we had done this in the past with some signs and just didn't feel like there was any great benefit from it. Uh, but we thought let's let's do this again. And so we went over, um, went over to the Planned Parenthood on a Saturday morning, and a few men uh, were also there. There was a large group of Roman Catholics that were there, and a scattering of others that were there standing outside this Planned Parenthood. 
And we had a few handwritten signs, and we saw as this group of men brought out this big speaker system, and they clearly were going to start making a presentation. And one of them opened up his Bible and started preaching. And as we listened to it, we said, this sounds good. This is good preaching. What, who are these people? And finally, about a couple hours later, they stopped preaching, and we went up and talked with them, and they said they were from Harbin's Reformed Baptist Church, and they loved the 1611 Confession, and um, they also loved the Westminster Standards. <laughs> and so we hit it off from then, and we got, to, got talking with them, and the one said, well, well, Ben, next week we'll be here too, and you should come out and preach. And had never in my life contemplated ever going outside and speaking publicly, let alone through an amplifier, uh, the Word of God. Um, right near my house where people might know me or recognize me. Um, but as they say, the rest is history. And so that's how we got into this ministry. And I'll talk a little bit more about it. But I want to um, open us with the reading of the word of God and prayer. So if you would turn to Proverbs chapter one, we are going to also read from Proverbs chapter one during the worship service this morning, Lord willing. So I'm not going to read that that whole passage. But when people ask um, why, why does a church do this, or why do churches do this, or how can churches think about it? I always come to Proverbs chapter 1, among other passages, and verse 20, where the Lord says this, Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets, she crieth in the chief places of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city. She uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. And fools hate knowledge. Churn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you so much for speaking to us today by your word and giving us this time to study your word together and consider um, different ways that we can serve you in, in the public sphere as the world goes about in its darkness blind, leading the blind on the way to destruction. We ask, Lord, that you would use this study of your word for the building up of your saints, for the strengthening of us in the faith that you have once delivered to us, and that we might earnestly contend for the faith, always trusting in Jesus Christ, who gives us his spirit of power, that we might boldly stand for the word of God and the God of the word. We ask that you would indeed save many who are today outside from Christ, far from you, not expecting to hear the word or be drawn in, we ask that you, by your word, might cause them to hear, to believe, and to have everlasting life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've given a little bit of introduction, and I want to say a couple things as I begin today that, um, lest anybody get the wrong impression, I don't want anybody during the course of this class to think that the elder from Atlanta is saying every single person in our church should be outside an abortion clinic witnessing. I'm not saying that. In fact, my, as my wife and I were talking about this and, and uh, I was telling her some of the things that I was planning to say, um, I, I need to confess that I have sat through in my life many Sunday school classes on evangelism, all different kinds. I've had all, we've had all different OPC missionaries during the years come and give missionary presentations and encourage people to go spread the gospel wherever they can. And as I sat there and listened, uh, time after time, class after class, I said, yes, Lord, please raise up more evangelists to go do that. That would be wonderful. Lord, please do it. We want that. But of course, not me. Uh, the Lord has a calling for evangelists, so we need to pray for more of those. And so um, 
my, my hope is, is not that every single person will be going out doing this, but perhaps the Lord will work in a few today and help you to see not only the need, but also the joys in serving Christ, in going out into public and serving the Lord in this way. There are almost unlimited numbers of ways to serve Christ. And I'm not trying to deny that or anything today. This is one way that the church can serve the Lord in ministering to the thousands each day who are going to pursue the murder of their own children. And the thousands who work at abortion mills, uh, several here in Tallahassee, many up in Atlanta, throughout the country, who facilitate the murder of innocent children. There is a great uh, issue today. It's one of the most... One of the most basic things that the church is facing is that the world is denying that there is a God who governs all things. It's not new. The world's been denying that forever. Uh, Since the devil came into the garden, that denial has been going on. But it means that the church has an opportunity to uh, minister to the world in in those first things. Uh, That God is sovereign, that he is the creator of all things, that he's made men specially in his image. Male and female, he's created them. And unlike the animals, which he's delegated to men to, to care for, kill uh, for food, if they desire humans, he has not given that power to men. He has, in some situations, of course, the civil magistrate, but generally, he has reserved the right to give life and take life to himself, the maker of life. And the world is standing up today and saying, that is not the case. That we are our own selves, we have bodily autonomy, we worship ourselves, our choice is the right choice, whatever we decide, that's the way it should be. And that has led, as it always does, to the countless slaughter of millions. In our world today, that is directed at the weakest of all, those that can't even make use their voices to defend themselves or their hands, little children in the womb. And as I'm sure you well know, and you'll see the second track that went around, we're also working on a uh, ministry towards going to pride events and transgender events. Um, If they can't get the children in abortion, they'll try to get them after they're born, trying to get them to question how they're made and who they're made like, and trying to get them to do all sorts of terrible things to their bodies, often very bloody things to their bodies, because the world hates life. And we have to understand that. And um, as Proverbs, Proverbs 6 says at the end of that chapter, Proverbs 8 at the end of that chapter, all those that hate wisdom love death. And one of the hardest things that we face when interacting with Christians is there is, there, there is we, I want people to want to do the right thing. I want people to be good intrinsically. But people aren't good intrinsically. They are totally depraved. We believe that as reformed people, that there's none righteous, no, not one. That our inclination is always to evil continually. And unless the Lord, by his spirit and by his word, convicts a sinner of their sin and draws them to himself, we are going to constantly do evil continually. And that's kind of the, the, the face of, of, of abortion is evil continually. It's totally total depravity to its, perhaps, I, I hope it's its greatest outward manifestation of it, the greatest form of evil. Um, sometimes people are, are concerned about analogies like this, but you had in the days of Jesus, we had Christmas a week ago. Um, hopefully you all celebrated that on Saturday with the gifts, but we had Christmas a week ago, and the, um, you have the story of Herod. And Herod was so in, incensed against the wise men that they deceived him and went a different way, that Herod went around Judea, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, all that area, and he killed all the boys that were two years old and younger. He had to go find those children and he had to hunt them down and kill them. Today, none of that happens. 
parents voluntarily bring their children to kill them. And there's all sorts of slogans about choice and a woman's right to choose and a celebration of perhaps you call it radical feminism and the, and the, and the outlets of that. And this is just a, a joyful thing and people are doing it because they just want to celebrate their right to choose. That may be some. There are a lot of people, and if you go out there and maybe some of you have done this before, there are a lot of people who are celebrating this alone, that they are killing a child. Uh, when you ask a man who's bringing his girlfriend or his wife about, and he has little children in the back of his car, well, why are you killing this children, but those children are staying alive? You might hear something, as we've heard on many occasions, well, if they do something I don't like, I'll kill them too. There is a bloodlust that is out there. And unless the church recognizes the love of blood and the hatred of God, it's not going to be able to address everything properly. It may still do some good work, but it's not going to be able to address it properly. There is a, an absolute hatred for God in his image, and that manifests itself in death and the shedding of innocent blood. And abortion testifies to its evil in the great amount of blood that is shed, even the blood of the innocent. Um, my goal here, just to, I'm going to try to go through this whole outline since I don't have pictures. I get to spend a little bit more time on the outline. Um, my goal is to go through this very briefly, 15 minutes or so, 1030, and then stop and open it up to questions, interaction um, that you might have. So that's, that's what I'm hoping. We're not going to read um, all of these scripture references that are, that are on this in my church when I do Sunday school. I'm always trying to um, give people things to meditate on when they're home. In this case, I'm also giving you things to think about as you, if you decide to go out, what do you say to people? Uh, bring them the word, certainly, but where do you go in the word? Here's a lot of passages under different uh, situations. God, God affirms life from conception. Um, that's something that's, that's a minority position. Um, if, you're in the, if you ever visit an Episcopal church, they don't even believe that. Um, there are a lot of churches that do not believe that life begins from conception. But God affirms that he... He does it all over the place. If you turn to Genesis 25, I'm not going to turn there now, but that's as um, uh, Rebecca, when she was pregnant, it talks about the children in her womb wrestling with one another. There's children in the womb. God, God never speaks about a child in the womb as anything different than a child outside the womb. They're, they're the same. It's the same Hebrew words. It's the same Greek words. The children in the womb are children that he made and put there in the womb. They're just smaller than the ones outside the womb. And so Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isaiah 46, where the Lord says, I've, I've carried you from the womb and even to your poor hairs and on to death. It's the Lord that carries us. And there's that great passage when Mary comes into the room of Elizabeth as in Luke chapter 1, as she comes in, that John the Baptist in her womb leaps in her womb. There's even regeneration and salvation in the womb that takes place. And we ought to pray for that. So this is, I know I'm preaching to the choir on these things, but just to lay out the, uh, the case, the world is saying no life or it is life and we're going to kill it. God says, no, uh, this is life from the womb. I put it there. I get to take it away. And God prohibits abortion. God hates it. We could even say with um, Proverbs 6, 16 to 17, that there's six things that the Lord hates. One of those things is the shedding of innocent blood. And there is a lot of blood in abortion. Um, God prohibits it throughout the Old and the New Testament. It's, um, 
It is prohibited. The Lord even has, after the Ten Commandments are given in Exodus 20, in Exodus 21, the Lord gives these um, descriptions of the moral law, how to carry them out. If there's uh, two men fighting, and there's a pregnant woman, and she tries to get in between them, and she's struck, and no harm comes, then the husband of the woman can require some sort of penalty and pay that. But if harm comes to that child, so that child dies or is injured or handicapped, Scripture says, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for life. The Lord requires, uh, the Lord views the death of an innocent child as a capital crime if it's done at the hands of someone else. Um, That's just what Scripture lays out. And we see that even in our civil code in many states. I don't know Florida. I didn't look it up. But in many states, if, if a pregnant woman is killed and her child dies by a murder, that's two homicides, not one. Some states, it's only one. Many states, it's two homicides because even the civil government with its Judeo-Christian background understands that there's life in the womb. One of the most fascinating things about studying this, this issue of abortion in our present day is the inconsistencies or are the inconsistencies. There are so many inconsistencies in our civil code that are screaming out that abortion should be illegal, prohibited, a a crime, um, that people should be arrested, that this should be warned against. And then at the same time, they go and and kill innocent children and defend it because the kingdoms of this world are not the kingdom of God. And there's going to be inconsistencies among them. Um, Abortion today, it is statewide. It is worldwide. It's almost nationwide. There's a couple states that have some good restrictions now after Roe v. Wade. Um, but it is, it is everywhere. Um, just using some of the more liberal pro-abortion uh, statistics, there's something close to 3,000 abortions every day in the United States. It's far more, you know, if you add in all from the other countries, Canada, South America, and all the continents. This is just, it's so big, it's hard to wrap our minds around it's hard to wrap your minds around something like the Holocaust because what, six to eight million people killed. And so as, as historians have written stories about it, they try to make it personal about one person because we can wrap our minds around one person and their suffering. Corey Tenboom and her family, we can wrap our minds about that and follow her story. But as you try to grasp eight million deaths, it's too much for us. We cannot wrap our minds around it. So it becomes... You know, this great horror in history. And, and today, I think we're, you know, we're, we're facing something that dwarfs the numbers of the Holocaust. Um, this month is 50 years in the United States since Roe v. Wade was passed, 1973, January 1973, 50 years. Um, Low-end statistics, 60 million abortions since that time. Low-end. Uh, we, how do you wrap your mind around all those little children whom the Lord knows every single one? who cried out to their father, heavenly father, from the womb as they were being killed at the hands of their parents and abortion doctors. The Lord knows every single one. He hears their cry and he promises in Psalm 9, Psalm 10, Psalm 27, many places that he will not let the cry of the innocent go unanswered forever. Sometimes it looks that way to us. It looks like, Lord, hear our cry. 450 years, the Israelites were crying out to God from Egypt because of their slavery. They weren't in slavery that whole time, but many of those years they were crying out to God for their slavery. And finally in time, at God's appointed time, he sent Moses there to lead them out of Egypt. God will stop this wickedness in his time. 
And one of the great joys that I can share with you today is that we get to see as we go bringing the word of God to people on their way to kill, on their way to death themselves, we see the Lord hear some of those cries and save those babies. That's one thing, and that's a thing, that's a thing to rejoice for. Um, in case I forget it later, almost every day that we go out to an abortion clinic with the word of God, proclaiming it to men and women that are on their path to death and leading their children to death, almost every, every day, at least one turns around. Almost. Um, some days it's more, some days it's zero. Oftentimes when we have opposition, and I don't know well time to talk about all of that today, but sometimes when we have opposition, it's almost impossible for anyone to hear the word of God. And when there's no hearing of the word of God, nobody sometimes turns around. Now, the Lord can turn people around from their wickedness without anybody going out there. And I'm certain that he does that. But he also is the God of means, and he uses his word to, uh, to draw sinners from their sin. A lot of times people just feel guilty with the worldly guilt. And I'm not here to tell you that everybody that turns around is a born again believer. Um, I like to, I, I love to, to think that they're going to be led by God onto a faithful church. We give them church information for whatever state they came from. We invite them to our church if they're local. Um, but we do pray and hope that they will uh, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only their children will live, but they and their children will have everlasting life. That's the goal of why we go out there. That people would hear the glorious gospel of God concerning Jesus Christ, his son, and they might put their trust in him and go from leading others to death to themselves having life. And the first thing they're going to do is save their children. That would be the ramification of hearing um, the word of God. So the reasons that people are out there, um, the causes there under that first subpoint under 1C, uh, you can read the scripture and see these things uh, that they are true. You have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that leads people to great sin. You have pride, uh, pride of self, uh, pride of one's own beliefs, and you have hatred of God and of God's creation. But there is a defeat. There is a remedy. It's the remedy against sin. It's the preaching of the word. It's regeneration by the spirit. It's repentance unto life that the spirit brings in regeneration. You remember that passage from 1 Corinthians 6 about all those terrible sins, homosexuality, murder, adulteries. And the Lord says, and such were some of you, but you've been washed. You've been cleansed by the blood of Christ. That's the great driver for our work, the promise of God. That as the word of God goes out on this side of eternity, the trumpet hasn't sounded yet. God is still saving sinners. And, uh, and we need to be about that work, uh, about the work of bringing the word uh, to a lost and dying world that they might be saved and there might be more worshipers worshiping God in spirit and in truth. The, uh, that parable in Luke chapter 14 where the, the feast is ready, and the invitations have gone out and people made all sorts of excuses and the house was not full. People said, I got to get married. I got to go tend to the farm. I just bought a house. And the Lord says, well, go out. Eventually, even going to the highways and the hedges of the world to calling the people in that my church might be full. That is a that that passage has been a tremendous weight upon me. Um, as we minister, we pray so much for the churches to be full and overflowing so that new churches have to be built and maybe bigger churches have to be built. But there's means that the Lord uses to bring people to himself. And it's the church going out and calling the world in darkness into the kingdom of light. Come to the kingdom of light. A friend of mine said to me recently when we were on the phone, 
then there's too many people that think Matthew 28, 18, 20 is the great suggestion. And it's not. It's the great commission. God has commissioned the church to do this. It's not a suggestion. And I appreciated the point that he made. We go out and we call the world in. Um, And many will mock it. Uh, Jesus was mocked. Uh, Many people don't go do this because they're afraid of the mockery that will come. And it's real. If if you think that you can witness to the dead uh, and that they're not going to treat that they're going to treat you differently than they treated Jesus, you've got a mistake uh, in your thinking. You need to remember that they crucified Christ. What will they do to his servants? And so there's a great hostility in the world. Maybe if you stand in, in downtown Atlanta and open a Bible, you don't have to read the Bible and people will hurl insults and cursings at you. I don't know if Tallahassee's like that, but if you go to a university campus, that will happen. Then you start reading the Bible and see what happens as you start reading the Bible in public. All these, all the forces of, of Satan hate that. But some, those that are called, God will cause to hear his word and put their trust in the Lord. So there is, um, there is opposition that will come, but we have great confidence that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we go and bring the word of God uh, to the world. Um, we call them to the church. This is, you know, in the Old Testament, one of the passages that I will, I will um, preach most often um, out in public. It's, it's neat in a way. It's, it's easy if you're thinking about, oh, how do I prepare all of these different messages? Well, you're going to a new audience every time you go out. So you can actually preach the same thing, and you're the only one that knows that you're preaching the same thing. So there's a little bit of efficiency there. But one of the passages that I will use most often is the opening verses of Isaiah 55. Oh, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come by and eat. Eat, hear, listen, that your soul might live. Why do you spend your money for that which does not profit? Right? And why do you buy what does not satisfy? Come freely right, and take hold of the wine, the water, the bread of life. All these different pictures start coming in from Isaiah 55. Take hold of, of God and live. And here's this, here's this very picture presented in front of you that people are taking hold of death and dying. And they're leading even their children to death because they're dead and dying. And so you have this great contrast between death and the dying and hell and its bondage forever. And the great glory of Christ who gives life freely by his grace through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, We plead with people uh, through this passage. Come to the waters, drink, that your soul might live. Um, It's incredible. Uh, I'm sure as as you all read passages like that, you're just filled with joy that the Lord would give you such a bountiful blessing freely of his grace. You know, when you go to someone that's dead in their trespasses to sin and you give them maybe the most glorious message you've ever heard, you know, you're you're taking something from Charles Spurgeon or Sinclair Ferguson and you're like, this is what the Lord used to convert me and you give it to a dead sinner. They will spit in your face. They will spit in your face. These things are foolishness to those that are perishing. But to those that are being saved, this is the wisdom and power of God. So don't be discouraged when you're out there. Um, be Be wise with the word, use the word, read the word. The Lord will use it. Um, As far as who can do this work, one of the great things about outdoor evangelism is there is work for everybody in the church to do. Um, I was hoping my slides would work. You can look look at them later. But um, for the little over two years that we've been doing this until a couple months ago when we start having grotesque opposition, um, most of my sons were with me every single week. They'd be holding signs. People would see children out there and be like, wow, my, hey, this child could grow up and become 
a child like one of these children. Children are a fabulous resource in testifying of the goodness of God. In children, behold, children are a blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Um, So children can be out there holding signs or just standing there for people to see um, that God is good in the giving of of children. Um, Tracts can be handed out. Um, There's going to be diaconal needs, potentially. Many people, the media will tell you it's a money issue. And it certainly is weighted against the poor, but it is all classes that are murdering their children. The hatred of God covers the poor all the way up to the rich. Um, We have in two years, in hundreds if not thousands of conversations, we have bought breakfast for many people We've to pray with them and meet with them. We filled up a couple gas tanks. We have paid one bill of one couple, but we offer it to all. So this tells you something, tells me something at least. Money is really not the issue. It's not at the bottom of this. Those resources are there from the church. I am certain today, if someone came in this door and said, if I just had $1,000, I wouldn't abort my child, there'd be $20,000 being poured out to give. It's not about money. This is a spiritual issue. But we do need to be ready to help those that have diaconal needs. The deacons need to be ready, but it's not as common as you think. And then, of course, there's the preaching and the reading of the word that can be done. Um, Some of the benefits of this, because I am going to make sure we have time for questions and interaction, and we'll be here for lunch, Lord willing, so we can talk more then. If I can just speak personally, since Sunday school class, I can, I'll give a little bit of personal example. Um, and and I, I think my wife and children would testify. The, the Lord tells us that there's many benefits to believers, those that are effectually called. You've got justification, adoption, sanctification, the many benefits which do either accompany or flow from them. Somewhere around Shorter Catechism 34, 35. What are those benefits that flow from them? Assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Ghost, increase of grace and perseverance to the end. Those added benefits, we, you, you tangibly experience them as you are out in public standing on the infallible word of God and standing on the rock that is Christ. Because something happens. You're forced to, to face this question. Do I believe that which I've professed to the point of facing ridicule, wrath? Maybe what if someone finds out who I am, calls my employer and gets me fired from my job somehow? Now, if you're, doing, if you're sticking to the scripture and not hurling insults and profanities, you should be okay. But what if something like that happened? You're, you're faced with these questions and these realities that could come upon you. And as you stand firm on the word of God, your faith is increased. You are seeing that you're persevering to the end. There's a great assurance of God's love that at that moment that you needed those words and you were out of breath from two hours of talking to people and someone else comes up to you and the Lord gives you a whole abundance of scriptures and prayers in your mind. You see, Lord, the Lord is testifying with my spirit that I'm a child of God. The Lord is working powerfully in his word. Christmas a year ago, right before, I think it was the 23rd or the 24th, uh, right before the holidays, our massive... Uh, massive volumes of people going to get abortions. They want the problem taken care of before the fun of the holidays. We were at an um, abortion clinic in uh, Buckhead, Georgia, one of the ritziest, fanciest, most expensive houses in Georgia are in Buckhead. Um, I work in Buckhead, lots of business and industry, and a notorious abortion clinic is there. They did a late-term abortions um, there for over 25 years. The abortion doctor is named Tyrone Malloy, 
Um, he has, by low estimates, single-handedly killed more than 35,000 babies at his own hand. Think about what you know about Nazi guards who arrested 50 years after the fact for being an accomplice to 10 or 1,000. This guy, 35,000 babies at his own hand. Um, we were, it's a very hostile place because you can, the, the women are shown. Um, God, God loves the child at a week old. He loves the child at 30 weeks old. But a mother doesn't always, can't tell that much about the child at a week old. The early term abortions, is, it's harder to, um, to talk to the women because they don't have the same conscience level of when a baby's kicking them from the inside and they could feel it. Uh, but this place, you had women that were showing and they're going in to get an abortion. That creates all sorts of opportunities for the gospel, but it creates the greatest hostility. So a couple days before Christmas, we, there, I had a, a day off on a Friday and went to this abortion mill by myself. And there were some Roman Catholics there. And this guy pulls in with in a pickup truck um, and his girlfriend is in the pickup truck. They get out. She is, I mean, it looks like she's possessed. He's literally holding this woman and she's railing and screaming, insults, cursing, just yelling and screaming about God. Um, and he carries her inside to this abortion mill. He comes out. He's yelling and screaming, but he wasn't as, as, as uh, filled with rage as her at the time. He comes out. We ask him to go back in and bring her out for the glory of God that his child might live. And he goes into his pickup truck. He pulls out a handgun. He chambers the handgun, and he points it right at me. Um, we're, it's 15 feet away. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't this. So he'd have to have a good shot. But um, he's, and he says, I'm going to kill you. And... I had not experienced, we had had many handguns pulled on us before from the cars. People pull out their guns from the car and they point it at us. This is the first time out of the car, first time chambered. And I was reading Psalm 9 or 10, but I flipped over to Psalm 37. I said, sir, I have no weapon against you today other than the sword of the spirit. I said, so I'm just going to read to you the scripture. And if the Lord wants to take me, I ask that he would, he would receive my soul and that he would not let you die in your unbelief, but that you would be saved. And I read to him Psalm 37, and I was, I'm staring to think, well, there's worse ways to go to glory. But I said, Lord, please, please help me. Please help me to stand firm. And as I read Psalm 37, which is not very friendly towards the wicked, it's very friendly towards the righteous who are going to prevail over the wicked. Eventually, this man put the gun into his pants and just started walking around in front of us. Hours later, he was still sitting outside hearing the word of God. That's unusual. You need to be on guard about that. If I had kids with me, I would have been protecting them and, and getting them away. This is a little bit different because I was by myself. I now wear a bulletproof vest because we have so, much, um, so many guns pulled, and I think it's wise to protect uh, in these particular clinics. I don't worry about that so much at Planned Parenthood. They don't do late-term abortions in Georgia. But um, those are the types of things that can happen. But as that was happening, there was a great peace that the Lord gave. That though you die today, you will be in glory. And by God's grace, nothing happened other than this man heard the word of God. But where does that, where can those things happen unless you're out in the darkness proclaiming the light? The Lord gives a great peace of conscience as you minister his word to the lost and dying. It's a great delight. It's hard. It's, it will lead you to tears. If it ever stops leading you to tears, you might become hardened. You might need to pray about that. It's hard work, but there is glorious, glorious work that the Spirit is doing through his word. I was hoping to close with a couple slides. We had, there's one slide, my first baby shower that I was ever at. 
Uh, and that was a couple who saved their child, and we've been able to keep in contact with them, and a lady from a Baptist church hosted a baby shower that we went to. And then the, the other one um, was outside our house with a couple that was on their way to an abortion. We met them. We talked for several hours about the Word of God. They came to our church the next day, and they were at our house that afternoon. They came to church for several months. They had a, a car accident. Uh, they moved, some other things, and we've been out of contact for a little bit. But um, the Lord does that. He'll bring people to the church. Um, He'll save uh, by his word. And we need to be about that work in the kingdom. And the Lord says, he makes this promise. If you lose my life, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. Um, Don't the Lord has us in the palm of his hands. Our days are all numbered. Nobody at any, no violent man or anybody can ever stop that. Um, When our days are up, the Lord will call us home. But until then, we need to be about um, the father's work. And this is one way that we can do that. I've left you with some uh, tracks. The one we've, we've given out well over a thousand of the abortion tracks because we want people to have a gospel message, a fuller gospel message than a three by five index card with 2.5. Like a lot of people give out because they're trying to get as many Bible verses on an index card as they can. So the abortion process can be four to seven hours. So maybe we give them eight or nine pages to read and to think about and all my contact information is on the back, and we will constantly be texting and talking with people that are calling us from inside the abortion clinic or inside um, their car. And so that's why we use that to give the gospel um, to those that are perishing. I'm going to stop there because I've said a ton and I've gone a little bit over. But any um, questions, concerns, uh, comments? <laughs> Yes. Well, when someone contacts you from within a portion, um, what do they usually are asking about or saying? They, they, you. Couple things. Sometimes they're looking for us to validate their sin. Many people want to. Hear, I'm a, they'll tell us they're Christians. I could spend a whole Sunday school class on that. They'll tell us they're Christians. They can't take care of the baby. Can we pray for them? I'm like, well, yes, we can pray for you. We're praying that you come out. You're sinning against God. This is not what the godly do. You need to come out. Sometimes they're asking, can you give me a Bible verse that tells me I'm wrong? They're just looking for someone to tell them the truth, and we will. Other times they're asking if we'll help them, give them a ride. All those things we'll do. Um, Sometimes they're just angry and laughing at us. That can be to their killing time, and they're going to yell from inside. Yeah, that's a good question. Yes? Yes. Yeah, we have, uh, within our budget, we have an outreach and evangelism line item uh, that we can use for this. And so we'll uh, buy some of the tracks that way, and we can use it to assist those that are in need. Um, we thought we were going to need a lot of money when this started up. And as I mentioned, like it's, it's not as much as you think. Uh, also, people don't believe us because they, they're told by the abortion doctors that we hate them. That's... You know, those are just crazy people, and they hate you, and the media says things like that. They don't want to help you. So we lose a lot of people that way. Um, but a lot of times they don't believe, like, you'd help me? Um, we, we often will we'll even tell them, hey, if, if, you, if you don't want to have this child because you don't think you can care for it, we believe that parents are the best ones God made to care for their children. But if not, we will adopt them. There are five families, including my family, um, five families in Georgia that have all told us if someone would save their baby, if someone else adopted it, we'll do it. 
and there's legal funds set aside for that. Um, even that's not taken up. There's all sorts of racial reasons in Atlanta for that. Um, I, maybe we can talk about that afterwards, but there's a lot of reasons why that doesn't get taken up. It's a great question. Yes? It just concerns me that the media, we just never hear this on the mainstream media. And so what you're telling us is wonderful and everybody should hear it, but no one, no one will accept choir in those where you're preaching. But it just seems like if I watch the news for the, a day, I never hear this. Is there any way that that can be corrected? That's a great question. I think that there is, there are a lot of opportunities for outreach to the world in the media. I've thought about some of doing them. We, I feel that we are very spread thin now, and we need more people involved. Uh, but there. I will tell you, the, the Reformed Baptists, not, not all, but a lot of Reformed Baptists are very engaged in this work. And some of them post things on YouTube um, and where some of this is, you know, you get to see it live, but the media does not want to hear it. And if they interview, they've come and interviewed, not me, but others that we've been with. If they interview, they are going to cut it and edit it so you look crazy. I mean, that's just the reality. There's, no, there is gonna, there's nothing good that the world's going to say about anyone you're just going to get ridiculed. I'll, yeah. I'll add to that. Uh, 35 years ago, when we were out in front of abortion clinics, the local news media would show up and report on those events, and not always in a non, more or less in a neutral way. But, and, and I'm going to say something that may sound kind of radical, but it's not only the abortion issue. Basically, everything you hear in the news media is scripted propaganda. Uh, it's, it's pretty much all lies. There are seven corporations that own all the media outlets, and they control the script. Even Fox News. I'm sure a lot of you love Fox News. But even Fox News can only go so far because it's scripted and controlled by these seven corporations that are pushing a human depopulation agenda. And I'll leave it there. Yeah, well, people will stop. Rip, people will drive by in their Ferraris, Maseratis, and Buckhead, and they'll tell us, like, who's going to care for all these people and start cursing and yelling. And we're like, hey, you know, we'll start. We'll take one, two, three, and, you know, they drive off. But there, there is a great hatred for population in general. I, I promise, since I, was, I re read from the King James, very interesting thing. I use this Bible when I'm, when I'm witnessing. Because I, used to, I was, used to use the New King James exclusively when, when witnessing. Um, but on several occasions, people have come up to us that are on their way to an abortion, and they and they said, "You Christians, you just abuse the Bible. You don't even know what you're reading. I only read the King James." <laughs> and I say, "Hey, we. I'm glad we could start somewhere on common ground." And I pull it up, and they can't believe that we're using the King James. So I use that. We give out King James Bibles because that's what the. the People that don't even go to church, they recognize that. They probably never heard of some of these other translations, but they recognize that, and it's helped us on a couple occasions to talk to people about the Word, so that's why I read from it. Um, we should probably close, talk more at lunch, um, but let's close in prayer.
Oh God, our Father, we thank you that you are sovereign, that you are the Lord and ruler of all things, that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that though our mothers and our fathers forsake us, yet you, O Lord, will take us up. We give you all praise and glory now for the great work that you have done in your Son, Jesus Christ, who lay down his life that his children might live. Oh Lord, we thank you for saving us. We ask that you would hear the cries, even today, of the innocent children in the wombs of their mothers who are on their way to be slaughtered, maybe not today, but later in the week. And we ask that you would not let their cries go unanswered, but that you would hear and deliver them. That you would, that you would cause great fear of the Lord in our government and elected uh, officials and throughout the world. That whether they do it for the cause of Christ or do it out of dread of the judgment, that whatever the case, that they might make righteous laws and that they might seek to preserve life rather than destroy it. And we ask, Lord, that as the word goes out with power, that you, who are the powerful word come in the flesh, that you would save many and give to them everlasting life, that they might worship you and adore you now and forevermore. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Yes, thank you.